one thing that we do have in common across all is we're competitive. Absolutely. I want to win. Whoa! Who knew I would make it this far? They hated, they never believed me. Yeah, I would never drop the ball. I know I make it look easy. Yeah. Mayweather with the defense. I don't care what a critic got to say. I got him picked another pieces. Sean Gibson, we're finally doing this, man. Uh, we're trying. Man. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> yeah. Podcast number one. We don't even have a name for it yet, but we're going to roll with it, right? We, yeah, we, we've got some ideas. Um, you know, some I think find funny. Yeah. Sometimes I feel they're embarrassing. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely got some ideas. I mean, I think, you know, my, my son's kind of giving me one name, you know, a, a name that I grew up with <laughs> really disliking. And yeah. I felt it wasn't fair to give it to my son, which yeah. now I kind of regret. But now <laughs> he yeah, but now he refers to me at it, um, as it uh, quite often. So I'm going to have to thank my dad for that one. And so, yeah, uh, Chance, he calls me uh, Leroy at times. Leroy. I'm like, I'm like father to you, <laughs> dad. <laughs> Sir. Do not call me Leroy. Do not call me Leroy. Um, but so I was like, you know, maybe that'd be my stage name. There Leroy. we go. It's your stage name. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone calls me Lambo, so it's uh, my last name's Lambert. So everyone calls me Lambo. It's just kind of a name that I've had forever now. Right. And uh, so we're doing the Lambo and Leroy show. I think Lambo <laughs> and Leroy works. You know, I, I think it's solid. I, the only bad part about Leroy is. You know, remember when you were kids, like, oh, what's your porn name? And it was your oh, middle name man. and your street address. So it was like Leroy <laughs> Alpine. <laughs> hey, honestly, that's pretty cool, though. That's a pretty good name. That wasn't too bad, you I know. I didn't get a lot of views. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You got to see the goods I'm working with. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Back on track. It's a Lambo and Leroy show as of now. But if you guys got something else for us, let us know because... You some help we are open <laughs> to ideas. We are absolutely open to ideas. Uh, so why don't you start with you? Yeah. Your background. Um, I mean, who are you? I am Bryant, and I grew up in actually the off-road industry more than anything. Yeah. Um, I grew up going to off-road races and, and dirt biking and all that. I think before that, I actually grew up going to the river with the family and enjoying that. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of transitioned from the river to desert. I mean, that's kind of how it goes a lot. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people don't transition. A lot of people just do both. Um, yeah. You know, as my family, we just kind of transitioned. We went to the desert stuff and started dirt biking and going to Glamis and Ocotillo Wells and the whole deal. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I grew up there. I grew up idolizing motocross racers. Okay. And so that kind of got me into, hey, if I learned how to film, maybe I could get in and start filming these off-road or these, you know, these dirt bikers. Yeah. Like Jerry McGrath and, and, and Nate Adams and twitch and all these dudes i'm like dude that'd be really sick to get out there and film these dudes and because i had an interest in filming anyways well at a certain point you realize like we're never going to be good enough at riding <laughs> oh, dirt bikes sure. or doing any of that racing or anything to be the one being filmed so Absolutely. we're gonna have to start filming them instead <laughs> exactly so that was the whole thing is like cool let's i want to wait into this industry and i've always kind of had that mentality it's like how do I get in the industry? Yeah. And I make my way there. And when I was younger, I was like, dude, it never happened. It's like, <laughs> I never believed in myself. Cause I was like, dude, how do I even, how do you even start? It's so crazy trying to think about how you start. Um, but yeah, I just kind of started filming my friends out in Ocotillo and making videos. And then one thing led to the next. And all of a sudden I'm filming with Jeremy McGrath. So, uh, well, what years were that? Oh man. I want to say it was high school. So so it was like Krusty oh. Demons yeah, era. Like. So it was, it was after probably Krusty Demons, though, because Krusty Demons crushed it. Yeah. And I always watched the videos mm -hmm. and the, the VHS tapes and the DVDs. So yeah. that was like my childhood growing up. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to make that. And, uh, and this is like back when CKY and, and Jackass and all that was really big. So I was like, 
cool. We should go push ourselves in carts and go yeah. jump curbs and this and that. And well, it's funny. Stuff. All of those videos in that era, like, so my son was born in 2006. Okay. And when he was younger, um, you know, my car had a DVD player in it. Oh, yeah. And whenever we go to, like, the Sand Show or the Off-Road Expo, and you'd be buying all those DVDs. And that's all my son would ever <laughs> watch in the cars, all of those videos of, you know, the Krusty Demons and the Desert People and all those ones. And Dude, it, was it was such a great though. time. Yeah, it was such a great time. I loved DVDs. I mean, these are cool thing out of DVD rack. And I'm like, dude, look at this collection I got. I was so stoked on it forever. Until they scratch. Until they scratch and they stop, stop working. You're like, no. Did you ever have one of those like th those gimmicks where they would like, you know, fix the CD? Oh, yeah. It would polish the bottom of it, try <laughs> yeah. to keep the, the lines going again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll cut you off right there. But so you're going on. So you started filming all these people. Yeah, I started filming all these dudes. And it was really cool. And then um, I want to say maybe 2010 or 12, somewhere around there, Core Off-Road Racing was around. Um I remember my first core off-road race I went, it was in San Diego, and I was like, dude, blown away by it. Chula Vista was the Chula best. Vista it was, was the, the best, best track ever. Ever. It was so sick. Dude, these Pro 2s, Pro 4s, Pro Lights, it was just starting. Like, it was just getting big. Like Actually, I guess it was pretty big at that time. You know, it, I think this is where we're going to date each other. I was racing <laughs> core down there at Chula Vista in my pro it's buggy. so sick, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it was more of a, a fun thing to get into, and I didn't realize yeah. the level of competition I was racing to. I was oh, just sure. a desert guy going to the dunes going, oh, I could do this. I could do and this. Hell, I was way wrong. <laughs> I mean, the level of talent and stuff that was there was out of control. But, yeah, it was such a great time. It was time. a great time of short cars off-road. <clears throat> it really sure. was. It was at its peak. but. They were dropping so much money into core back then. It was crazy. Yeah. Dude, they were tearing it. Baldwin, up. Were, I think, yeah, just Baldwin purchased was, it then. Yeah. Baldwin, he tore up Pomona Fairflex, the the concrete, mm -hmm. to build a track out there. That was my very out. first race in my pro buggy. Dude, that's sick. Like, I remember my very first time on the track, coming around, and where they dug out the big hole. Yeah. They had a little, like, kind of like stutter bump, slight jump, and yep. you would jump over kind of like, you know, like a single row, like, or a single, like, you know, like let's call it like a 15-foot, 20-foot flat top and yeah. you dive down to the bowl and i went into it had a brand new car oh. well the quick disconnect on the steering wheel had not been completed and it was just tacked on so as i'm going into it in the air the wheel comes off in my hand and i'm trying to figure out how to keep this thing because you would land right into a bowl into oh a turn so uh my um Turning brake became my best friend at that moment. We're all thrown in. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sick. But yeah, it was a crazy time. Core was awesome. So Core was awesome. Where I mean, we're in, in an amazing studio right now. I've yeah. known you for a long period of time. You've got, you know, you seem very seasoned with what you do and, and your knowledge and your ability and more than just like film and video. I mean, you have so much knowledge. Like, what was your next step after that? Um, going from filming the core stuff, it was, I filmed a couple of races. It was really cool. It just kind of doing it for myself. I don't think I really had any clients back then. Yeah. I was like, dude, I want to film this. It looks cool. And then. I made a video, and back then, YouTube was very, very young. I think I threw a video on YouTube or whatever it was um, back then. But I started getting more and more, and then um, I started – actually, remember Dirt Alliance back oh, in the yeah. day? So Dirt Alliance was around. I would do it. I would hit them up on MySpace all the time, like, I want to come film for you guys. I want to come film for you guys. I was just bugging the crap out of them. And uh, it, was, it was funny because I think a little bit after that, this guy, Ken Johnson, hit me up. Mm -hmm. And Ken Johnson was like, yo, dude. You should come out and film this off-road stuff. And him and Travis uh, Schifflinger were, were partners with, yeah. with Dirt Alliance. And like, yo, dude, come out and film this stuff for us. I'm like, cool. Went out there. And, dude, at this time, I'm just working for free. I'm just like, dude, I love it. I'm so stoked. I'm around all these dudes. And this is where I wanted to be. Yeah. So I think I just kind of put my time in. I put my time in over and over. And, uh, and I started doing more with them. They kind of did their own thing. From there, 
Ken Johnson went off to Lucas Oil Off-Road. Yeah. And it was really cool. We went out. Uh, he hit me up. He's like, hey, I got this kid, Sheldon Creed. You know, he wants, he's, they want some, they need some videos for the marketing, blah, blah, blah. Videos weren't big at this time. It was like, videos were still super young, you know, for, for social media. Yeah. So uh, I was like, cool, I'll come out. So I went out there and filmed the first one. Dude, just from there on his history. So I got him. I ended up having like the next race. I had like five more clients and this and that. And like, everyone was like, everyone's videos. So, well, cause it was big back then is it was new and everybody yeah. wanted some of that content. And so everybody in the racing was trying to up their marketing game, oh, yeah. trying to provide more to all their sponsors exactly. to pull more sponsors in. It was so much more than just print and a logo on the side of the car. Right. Yeah, and then video the spectators, cause all of a sudden with YouTube and everything, you were able to broaden your reach to um, consumers yep. and friends and fans by the millions versus the thousands. Of like, course. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, when I was racing too, that was it was a huge thing getting yeah. all the video, the photos, and the it. content, and it was so important because that's what fans. That's what that's what sponsors wanted. They yeah. wanted to showcase that to show the fans. So it was a, it was definitely a big deal back then. It just started getting big back then. It was funny. It's like 15 seconds all you had. You had 15 seconds. I think before that was Vine. It was like eight seconds. Now, how was that with Lucas Oil? Because Lucas Oil was like one of the first ones to come in with Mav TV and a production and film it. How was it working there also filming too? I mean, was there struggles yeah. with the rights and everything? No, and they were pretty good about it. Um, I think it was helpful that I was friends with Ken Johnson. So he was able to introduce me to the right people over there. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely super helpful to, to get in with Lucas Oil and be able to do that. He was running social media back then, so he was doing all that stuff, too. So, like, he loved it, too, because they had content for him. So he could post it, and, yeah. and the clients could post it. So it all worked out really well. But, no, they were, they were really cool about us filming. And, I mean, they're like, you can't film this area. You can't film that area. A lot of it's safety, though, and insurance. But So now, in short, you basically had the best seat in the house through motocross freestyle kind of growing yeah. short course off-road which was probably an amazing seat to have i think all of us would be um are envious of that seat that you had because you know i think we're all fans of of yeah. it as well and so you were the guy that was always out there on the track with the yellow jacket or, yeah, or, or the jacket the on, on man with the <laughs> with the, the best view probably sometimes fearing for your life as well absolutely it was it was sick though because i mean these guys would get out of their truck and celebrate on the roof, and I'm, like, right next to them. When you <laughs> yeah. have all these dudes racing, I'm like, this is so insane. Like, you see Pastrana out there, and you see Menzies, and just, like, the, everyone that you looked up to forever. It's like, wow. I remember when Menzies first came over. He was racing Torque for a long time. He came over to shoot, race uh, Lu uh, Lucas Oil because Torque wasn't as stacked. You know, the, the racing yeah. wasn't as gnarly over there, and he was just winning every race. And he was just sweeping. It's like, cool, I'm going to go race Lucas Oil now because it's more people there. So did you, you ever Mac. have a close call where you had to, like, run out of the Dude, way and feel like you are going to get run over? Absolutely. Actually, if, if you're watching this on a YouTube channel, I'll throw it in right now. Um, there was a time I'm sitting, like, right outside of the little the filming hole. They cut out some holes for you. Uh -huh. And this pro light comes up and just legit covers me in dirt. And it, it hits the wall, like, right next to me. Like, it was the gnarliest thing. I just jump back. And everyone's looking at me like, is he alive? Like, what just happened? It was, it was definitely one of the – and that was actually pretty recent. I would say that was probably five years ago. Really? Right before uh, Lucas Oil went under. It was, like, the one of the last years. I was like, wow. That was, like, the closest call. I'm like, all right. I'm good. Do, do you remember the um, – <laughs> The the reason why I asked is there was a memory that popped in my head about Core, and it's just I feel it's such a crazy moment. But we were at Prem, yeah. Core was racing, and Adrian Cheney. Do you remember he comes off the big Rise table the fence, rode the <laughs> chain link fence, and kept going. I, I, that's where he got the name like Wild Man Cheney. Oh, for sure. And, and you know I, he's still out there racing. He's still for, racing, uh, man. And he's still running. He's still, the, he's he's still competitive. Dude. He's still doing doing pretty good, man. I know last season he's actually gotten the. Got a couple wins last season. You know, he's doing doing good. 
That's nope. rad. Uh, anything else you want to throw in there? Man, it just kind of from there just the snowball. I mean, started working with Chevrolet, you know, doing stuff like that. Um, and yeah, still filming to this day. And and we actually have a new studio here. We actually closed. We had a big psych wall that we were shooting cars in for uh, five years. Um, we actually just closed that down. Like, dude, it's time for a smaller place, a little a little easier. Uh, podcasts are new and they're still going strong, you know. So yeah. I was like. Let's jump on the podcast game, and you know, no better person to do it than Leroy. <laughs> I just won't be able to listen to the podcast for no, some reason. I can't handle hearing my voice. Like, I'm like, people actually listen to that. Well, at, your voice is so distinct. I love it. Right man. When, when I'm at work talking to people, sometimes I think about what my voice sounds. I'm like, how are you hey. taking me serious? Like, hey, hey, what are you doing? What are you deepen my voice? <laughs> hey, you get to work. <laughs> uh, hey, give it, get back to work. Right. So, well. Sean. Give us your background, man. You've been in this game for a long time. Yeah, man. Born and raised into it. Uh, the family's been enthusiasts of, you know, off-road, aftermarket, yeah. uh, modifying vehicles, changing things. I'm um, always, you know, you know I, I was always interested in, like, how things worked. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I'd be the, the kid that would take everything apart when I was younger, but I couldn't put <laughs> it back together. I really like one of the biggest moments that stands out to me is like, um, you know, Nintendo. Sorry, guys. I'm, I am that old. I had a Nintendo <laughs> and it was Duck Hunt, you know, and yeah. I was just amazed. Like, how does this gun work and how does it make that TV go? And so I took it apart. And that was the last time I ever got to play with it because I couldn't put it back together. <laughs> so your dad was stoked. <laughs> Super stoked. But then as I got older, I got into like RC cars and, you know, that was before they had brushless motors and everything and they weren't really that fast but they were They're cool fun. so we would go to the track with my dad there's a bunch of local places you know slot cars and so we've always just like been into motorsports um my dad at the time would uh i had a volkswagen you know i guess we call, not really a drag ship it was like a dune buggy yeah. so we would go to Glen hill and back when they did sand drags there all the time and i'd be like on you know i had a Trizinger 60, which was my very first bike that he got when I was three and a half years old, which I actually still have. It's at the shop right now. Rad. It's gone through all my cousins and kids and nephews and everything. Um, but we would do a lot of sand drags there. And we've just always kind of been embedded into the industry. Yeah. And, you know, we now have Gibson Performance Exhaust. And, you know, I tend to talk about that quite often. I mean, you guys are listening. You probably heard my story hundreds of times. But <laughs> in short, there was, you know, it started off with our motorhomes wanting more power because yeah. those things just, you know, drank gas. You want more power. Towing. Yeah. And so at the time, the only option was like, you know, some straight through glass packs or something. And everything was loud. Oh. And, you know, my mom or my sisters, they would hate it being loud. So my dad developed a muffler. I was able to give that power or that sound or the power without the sound yeah. and the fuel economy. And it kind of started from there. But how it started is he purchased a muffler shop. Because he was a general contractor yeah. in Southern California and did pretty well. But he purchased a muffler shop as more of a, a hobby shop, yeah. a place to kind of work on some of the toys and stuff that we have. But then oh. one thing led to another. People came in, wanted him to work on his stuff. And then he developed his own muffler, had someone build it, and created a kit. And you know, from then on, you know, I was probably uh, about 12, 13 when they first kind of started, like, the muffler shop. Yeah. and have really grown with the entire business over the last 30 years, you know, started sweeping the floors and I've done literally every single possible thing you can think of throughout the entire business. Yeah. And now I sit as like, you know, the CEO up top and, you know, I, I enjoy seeing, you know, it work below me and seeing the people there um, because I understand kind of what they're going through too. Yeah. And some of the steps and I, 
I guess probably my worst quality is I'm very hands-on with a lot of it. And mm-hmm. I guess I might call it micromanaging. Hell, that's what I used to call it when my mom did it <laughs> yeah. to me. Like, stop micromanaging I, I me. I'm no different <laughs> now. But, um, you know, throughout the years, we just developed a manufacturing plant, and we manufacture everything in-house. And we've weathered a bunch of recessions, a bunch of new products, a bunch of regulations. Everything's yeah. changed. And it's just been a massive learning curve, and it's been my college. You know, I had the opportunity to where I was able to hire my teachers, I could hire mentors and teachers and people to come in in different positions and learn learn from them them all. And now I'm able to take all that knowledge. I mean, this isn't like knowledge that I went to school. This knowledge from experienced individuals throughout 30 years who would show in and have more knowledge in certain areas, whether it be shipping or manufacturing or marketing or anything. And it's uh, put me in a good place to just be very open-minded to what people can offer. And, you know, my dad always said, you know, you hire people that are smarter than you. Always. You know, um, know, we're always willing to learn, move forward. But my heart was always marketing, too. I always loved marketing. One time, you know, I had the marketing director title, but I've had also had, you know, other titles. So, I mean, I know enough (laughs) about all of it to mess things up. Usually, sometimes fix most (laughs) of it. But marketing has always been fun. And... I think the reason why it's fun is you, eat, well, you get to do the fun stuff. Absolutely. You know, I mean, sure. Go beats, to shows. And sure beats working in the manufacturing, <laughs> for sure. right? But Sweating back have, there. Yeah. <laughs> they can get hot out here in Southern California. Oh, yeah. But we're um, a family-run business. You know, my sisters are there, you know, every day working. My son's getting involved. He's 16 now. That's awesome. uh, Mom and dad have retired. They're living their best <laughs> life. And Good. I'm over here just trying to do my best to make sure it can um, it can afford to those lifestyles. Absolutely. Because I really, it really looks amazing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, much like yourself, I mean, I was fans of, the Jerry McGrath. I was oh, fans yeah. of, you know, the Pastrana. I was fans of all the NASCAR racing, the short course. And, you know, in 2004 or three, I, we started uh, racing short course, got a Funko Pro buggy and went out Sick. there, grabbed my, you know, group of uh, drinking buddies from <laughs> Glamis, said, hey, let's go racing. And little did we know, I mean, shit was serious, yeah. man. Um, it was so much fun. Yeah, Chula Vista was my favorite one. I remember I coming down the ski so jump sick. that they had. Um it was uh, an amazing time. I never quite had the finishes that I really wanted, but I definitely had the fun. That's all. It was so amazing. Yeah. And then the, the friends and family that you you make and create, it, yep. it was such a rad time. In fact, that Pro Buggy is still sitting in the shop right now. We might be pulling it out here soon Sick. for a chance to go racing. Yeah, I think that'd be I, awesome. I think, I, you know, the crazy part, when I was racing before, I might have had a good few wrecks, but I wasn't scared one bit. I felt, like, invincible. Yeah. And now that's what almost scares me about it yeah. is getting into that thing and just feeling invincible like, oh, and going, nope. you know, I'm getting a little old. I feel it's like I'm not going to be good. I feel like I'm one hard hit away from not being able to do it ever again. Yeah. I go, so, you know, I'm just going to take my time. I think with we should it. let Chance jump in there and have some fun with it. Yeah. But like throughout the years, you know, we've um, had, you know, small jet boats. We've had big boats. I yeah, had a river twin, life, man. I had a twin engine cat that did, you know, did 115, Sick. but it was a 1994 and we were doing that in the nineties and two thousands. Um, we had a 39-foot MTI. So if you're not with the MTI, it's a big offshore race boat. Yeah, based, they're from Florida, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so there, that was the very first, we'll call it like a super cat. Yeah. Or boat of its caliber, or really boat of any kind that had a wraparound windshield. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, there's a couple options. But this one looked like the Lamborghini <laughs> of the water. And so in like, what, 2002, we had a boat, the first 
boat like it on Lake Havasu, and it was a 160 mile an hour boat. Insane. And we traveled all the over the place. The fastest boat to hit Havasu at that time, too. Right? It was 100 yeah. percent the fastest. I mean, now, I mean, this boat's <laughs> now too hundred. I know. I mean, yeah. They're, they're pleasure big crap. boys out there all day. Oh man, it's nuts. I mean, yeah. They got pontoon boats to come on that Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, we did the – one of our first events was like the Bridge to Bridge run in Sacramento where you're on the river. And oh. it was uh, before kilo runs or shootouts were there. Yeah. But it was virtually a shootout. And so you'd come from one – one side, you have to shoot the pylons, oh which when God. you're doing 140 or so, it's very small. They feel very small. I think they're very fast. But then there was a massive barge on the exit you just slow down <laughs> and turn out of. Uh, in fact, one person in a Daytona spun out trying to do it. Oh but my gosh. You'd come and you just bury the throttles, trim it up, set it up, and just kind of get it settled and pointed at the bridge yeah. and let go of the wheel and just let it shoot through it. Like not literally like tie your hands no, around your sure. back, but, still, but you loose gotta, grip, you like loose go. hands. Yeah, it's yeah. going. Loose hands. And it was yeah. just such a rush and so much fun. Um, <laughs> you know, but then we uh, spent a ton of time in Glamis too. Yeah. You know, my first, uh, you know, I had the quads, the dirt bikes. Yeah. And, you know, when I got older, had girlfriends, I got a doom buggy, had a little 2375, awesome. you know, small little doom buggy where you yeah. strap the, the, you strap the camp cooler to the front just to run over to old. So you go watch Robbie Gordon jump the double oh, yeah. and blue thunder and after shot. Those were prime times, man. Those uh, were prime times back then. Oh, it was the best. Yep. We had so much fun. Then you would go to competition hill at night <sighs> and you would drag race all night. And back then you just thought you had so much light. We had two tiny little laser star lights on. <laughs> And that's all you had. Nobody had lighted. Yeah, nobody had lighted whips or yeah. anything. A little bulb on those. Those usually so broken. Yeah, it didn't work anyways. <clears throat> but then you know, I went in from that. I went into like a you know a. a it was a suspension unlimited uh, oh, rotary nice. car. Yeah. So I had, you know, 600 horsepower. So now you got about 12 rotary. inches to travel instead of uh, your six inches you had exactly. before. Exactly. Well, because yeah. I mean, I kept trying to jump my other car a few too many times. It always <laughs> blow the beads off. And so, like, you know, we got to step this up. Yeah, a little it's time bit. for a bigger and better one. Yeah. So we got that one um, and then went to a twin turbo LS car. Sick. And now I've kind of gone backwards. I've got just a nice basic. Four seat sand car with a stock LS2, an S4, and a nice cruiser, man. It runs. See, that's the thing about modifying stuff. Sometimes it doesn't start all the time. It's not super pretty, so I don't feel like I have to clean it every darn morning. (laughs) Like I can throw shit in it and uh, just really trying to bring the fun back into it. But I mean, that's what it's all about. We're enthusiasts, and my son has done the taking the same path too. Yeah. Well, he's racing too, right? He is. Well, so he started racing go-karts when he was three and a half. Oh, sick, yeah. Um, Entered into his first race when he was four. We raced go-karts all the way till he was 12 years old and did it competitively. Even traveled traveled all over the country, won a bunch of championships. That's awesome. Really got in deep with that. And I I liked it because it was hands-on me and him. Yeah, it was your guys' bonding time. It was. And it was such an amazing time. And I would never um, do it. But he's now... Those skills, whether he knows it or not, have really helped him in like the, his dirt career. Because you know, we are we're born and raised in the dirt. Oh, for sure. Pavement was like kind of out of our element. And when I went to the go karts, it's like you take everything you know about dirt and either forget it, yeah, or do it backwards, yeah, because it's completely so different. different. So different. And it was so much fun just learning, going through it. Oh I yeah, mean, but it's cool because you guys are doing it together. I think that's what this industry is about in general. I think all of it is really family orientated and it's all about bringing the family together. Whether you're racing off road, you're racing, you know, go karts, you're racing, drifting, you're doing whatever. Usually it's because the father and son or the whole family together brings everyone together and you do it all the way through. I think that's what's the best part about this industry. Yeah. Is 
the, the industry is just like kind of that common place, like that focal point of where we all have in common and kind of meet up and yep. see each other. But there's so many branches, but it's all kind of tied back to family. Absolutely. And the time you spend with it, you know, whether you're yeah. hunting with your kids yeah. or water skiing or airplanes or any sort of outdoor type of activity. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong, like fall sports, all that stuff is, is amazing. I got you know some yeah. nieces and nephews and they're amazing at you know soccer and all that stuff but yeah. it just wasn't for us at the time but yep. one thing that we do have in common across all is we're competitive absolutely you want to win we want to win and whether <laughs> we want to win like you know w whether it's a race to get onto the freeway and get in front of the car to the right of you and you're timing <laughs> that way. green light yep. you know or it's on a racetrack it's that same mentality that same mindset as we just want to win we're competitive exactly and, you know we don't settle you know, settling that competitive nature, man. Yeah. I mean, you don't ever settle. You always well, just that's, keep that's moving That's kind forward. of the cool thing too is <clears throat> just heard a quote recently. It's like racing, you lose a lot when you're racing, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I think that's what racing does for people. It keeps them motivated, keeps them going because you lose a lot. So it's like, you want to win, man. You want to win. So you keep pushing, keep pushing. So it's that never give up mentality for sure. It, it is. And a win would not be a win without the losses. Absolutely. 100%. I, I it mean, makes that win so much sweeter. And, and that applies to almost everything in life. Dude, like business. even like, like business. I mean, guys, I can't tell you how many times we've <laughs> had so many losses or headaches or roadblocks yeah. or scary moments and recessions and stuff that are unknown. And if you look at each one as a learning experience and a challenge to challenge you to test you for moving forward, you're going to come out of them all stronger. Absolutely. No matter what. Always. And it, you might not even see it right out of the way. Those wins, they don't come just after a loss. No. You can have multiple, hundreds of losses before you see that win. But then yep. that win makes it all worth it whenever you Dude, get it. That's why you always. just got to keep it's so doing. sweet. It's victory is so sweet. Well, and that's like kind of where we're at with like this podcast, I think, right? Yeah. Is there are so many types of people that we're connected to yep. and that have similar things with us where they won. Oh, right? for sure. And we want to hear about their stories. all those losses yeah. and their stories. Like, yep. how, like, what did you lose? Like, our, you know, in our recession, everything tanked. All of a sudden, all of our distribution wasn't stocking anything more. And yeah. we were a wholesale distributor, had everything set up to go through distribution. Well, they stopped stocking. And so we had to go through and go back to, um, Go to all of our direct to all of our dealers. Yeah. But everything was so tight. We had to remodel our whole business over a month. Well, then my parents' house burnt down Jeez. right in the middle of oh, was that all the that. giant fires from. Yeah. And the wildfires that came through. Yeah. And ours was the first one to get smoked. And you were Belinda. Dude. Um, but oddly, you know, so then my parents are living, you know, in their motorhome for a while. We got my grandma with them. They had to rent oh, a house. Gosh. It was just a, it, it was hard to see positiveness yeah, at that, that time. Yeah. But once we were out of it, so much good came from it. Yeah. You know, we restructured the business. The business had, you know, was running smoother, leaner, better than it ever was. Yeah. If the house didn't burn down, you know, we may not have had a, you know, been in a financial position to continue moving forward yeah. and invest into other things. Absolutely. You know, it brought the family together. Yeah. You know, it allowed my parents to then, you know, move into a house it was just like the one they built and then remodel it while they're going through it wow. with my grandma and my grandma could continue staying with them. Yeah. There was, 
Um, so there's positive that came out of it for sure. Well, there's always a positive. It takes everything. There's a negative and a positive. <clears throat> always. It, there takes both. They can't just be one. No. Um, I'm a firm believer in that we're all dished out the same amount of negative negatives over a lifetime, but sometimes just get dealt. Get, get them dealt. A lot right now. <laughs> a lot right now yeah. versus a little over. Everyone, you're yeah. looking at someone that lived a great life. I'm, I promise you, they got their negatives Absolutely. too. And maybe it's coming or they've just been get, having yeah. a little bit all the time and yeah, they hit them all where, at once. It's like, where do we find that motivation to keep going? You know, I think that's that's the big thing. I think that's the big thing we talk about too is is how do we keep going? Because there's times you don't want to keep going. You're over it. Oh yeah. Like I'm done. I why am I doing this to myself? Oh, I have days where I am literally just done. Yeah. And I'm losing my mind. Yeah. And I, I just like I feel like it's overwhelming. Yeah. And I can't get to it. And yeah. usually it's just because you you've taken on so much. Yeah. You're trying to fix all of it at once, right? And you're like, I can't do this. No. And so you kind of have You're, to, like, break it you down. Do. Like, Will, one of our guys was, like, talking today, like, you know, it's like like working out. Like, yeah. I want to lose weight. I want to exercise. I want to be healthy. Well, shit, man. That's a <laughs> lot of work, right? So Absolutely. And, and it can be overwhelming, and it's so hard for us to start when you, you think day about day, everything. I know. So it's like, well, the first goal is, my first goal I'm going to do is just get up early in the morning. Yeah. And start. Yeah. Just do it. I'm going to do that. And then my second goal is, then I'm going to start. Eating better. Yeah. And start. And, and work. And go. And you break it down to like obtainable goals exactly. that we can reach. Otherwise, you just constantly feel like a failure if you set your goals too high. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not still working towards that goal. But sometimes we just need that sense of accomplishment. Like you Absolutely. Know, in my position at work, there's times where it's like I don't feel like I ever really get to complete anything because everything's always actively moving and yeah. going. And sometimes I small tedious task is what i need just to get that <laughs> sense of accomplishment to just do to it keep going check it off my list i know that i know man i think i think every business owner or just person in general know has that feeling yeah i'm Everyone sure you do with times. videos you have so much footage oh you've gosh, got like dude. you're like oh my god i don't even know where to start yeah. right so then like, you, what do i do with all this so uh-huh it's you're like insane. delete <laughs> yeah it's like i don't want to do this i don't i'm just not motivated but once you get going it's like cool i got this and then you feel you're happy about what you've done so far like i want to keep going i want to keep going so it's uh, it's life, man. It's how we keep going. And so we have so many friends out there, I think, in the industry who oh, yeah. got their different paths, yep. who are successful or yep. are on their path to being success or yeah. starting. You know, like we have Will coming on next, and he's a young, motivated kid who is busting his butt out there and yeah. is probably the most positive person I've ever met. Well, it's cool because Will, too, is is new is he's he's still so young mm-hmm. you know he's got so much growth to go so he's gonna have his good days and he's gonna have his bad days like everyone does yeah but it's really cool to hear his side of things so well i'm excited with this podcast I'm stoked. I, we have a lot of guests i think we can bring in that yeah. have you know have successful really well. businesses yep and hearing kind of about some of the heartache and the headaches and the goals and the yeah. things they've overcome and then what they're doing right now with it um we've got some of you know customers of those people oh, or yeah. from contractors to bankers to insurance agents yeah. to your gas station owners i mean guys there's a lot of people out there that are you know well i guess what we would consider living the dream yeah but it wasn't a dream. It was a reality they created for themselves. Exactly. Now we're going to figure out how. how did you create that reality, exactly. man? So we're stoked. Thank you guys for, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. You good yeah, with that? I'm right. good with that. All right, we're wrapping up episode one. Uh, it was really good. I'm super stoked to get this thing going. So now you know our backgrounds a little bit. Now it's time to bring people in and show you their backgrounds and, and show you, tell you all about how they've made it and they are to the situation that they're in. 
Um, so yeah, Stoke Farm, man. Be sure to let us know what you think we should name this thing. Yeah, we need a name for this thing. Oh, but Lambo and Leroy. I mean, not 100 percent feeling it, but if you no, guys think so, it's, it's there. I mean, I don't know. You guys, you guys tell us what what you're thinking. Uh, you know, Lambo and Leroy take on the world. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Who knew I would make it this far? They hated, they never believed me. Yeah, I would never drop the ball. I know I make it look easy. Yeah. Mayweather with the defense I don't care what a critic got to say I got him picking up the pieces